Welcome to Stony Brook Church. We are so glad that you are here in worship with us today. I am Pastor Jennifer Casey. I bring you greetings on behalf of our preacher of the day, Pastor David Hoffman, along with our Pastor Emeritus, Pastor Bob Thomas. As we begin our time together, you will find your connection card in your bulletin packet or online at stonybrook.church. Uh, this is a place for you to share that you were in worship with us today. It is a place for you to share any joys or concerns that you may have with the church staff or the church at large. And so I invite you to fill that out uh, some, at some point during the worship service. And if you're in person, drop it in the, in the basket on the way out. Or if you're online, simply fill out it online. Who taught you the Lord's Prayer? How has this oldest standard prayer in the Christian faith molded and sustained you? These are some questions to hold in your heart over the next six weeks as we uh, embark on a six-week sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. Throughout the next six weeks, you are engaged. Uh, you are uh, encouraged to engage in um, some study, either a self-guided study or get together with a group of individuals and uh, and work through the Lord's Prayer together. If that is something that interests you, you will find some recommended resources in your bulletin packet uh, or online at stonybrook.church or in your weekly electronic newsletter. If you'd like to form a group to, uh, to do a study together that you aren't already part of a group, if you want to see me, I can help connect those of you who are interested in forming a group. The Endowment Committee is pleased to present the third estate planning seminar. This will be on Sunday, February 6th in the afternoon from 2 to 4. During the seminar, you will learn about wills and trusts, probates and estates, and so much more. Uh, you'll hear from some experts in this field, including uh, some of Stony Brook's own. So uh, if that is something that interests you, you can uh, register on the back of your connection card or online at stonybrook.church through the connection card online. Uh, yesterday, we had the joy of baptizing a new one, uh, Lily Speck, the daughter of Jared and Deb Speck, and the granddaughter of Becky and Carl Schaub uh, was baptized. So we welcome her to uh, this community of faith and to being a part of Christ's family. So that is a joy and a celebration that we can all uh, share in. Now you can find all of this information that I have shared with you and so much more about the mission and ministries of Stony Brook Church in your bulletin packet or online at stonybrook.church. I invite you at this time to quiet your hearts and your minds as our prelude prepares us for worship.
Please rise either in body or in spirit for our call to worship. We've gathered together in the presence of God to offer our praise and our prayers. We come before God with confidence, knowing that even when we can't find the words, God's own spirit is right here with us, praying in us and for us, giving shape to our wordless hopes and longings, and pleading for us before the throne of grace. So let's come with joy to offer our worship to God, who knows and loves us all. Hear now these words from Romans chapter 8. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Let us continue worshiping through song.
seated. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of holy baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift to us, offered to us without price. Who do you bring before you? Who do you bring before us for baptism today? Hannah Mae Sheldon. Hannah Mae Sheldon. So I ask you, mom and dad, on behalf of the whole church, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If so, say, I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? If so, say, I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? If so, say, I do. Will you nurture your daughter in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example she may be guided to accept God's grace for herself, to profess her faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? If so, say, I will. Do you, as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? If so, you, the body of the church, say, we do. We do. Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include Hannah and her family now before you in her care? With, With God's, God's help, we will proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ. We will surround Hannah with a community of love and forgiveness that she may grow in her service to others. We will pray for her that she may be a true disciple who walks in the way that leads to life. The Lord be with you and also with you. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth life. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water, and after the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. Then in the fullness of time, you sent Jesus nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water in those who receive it to wash away sin, to clothe them in righteousness throughout their lives. The dying and being raised with Christ, Hannah may share in Christ's final victory. Would you like to tell me pour the water, Noah? Here we go. Lots of good splashing. What name is given to your daughter? Hannah Mae Sheldon. Hannah Mae Sheldon, we baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, 
and of the Holy Spirit. We ask that God continue to work in your lives, that, that being born by water and the Spirit, you may continue to be and become a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Members of the household of God, I commend Hannah and this family to you in Christian love and care. Let us respond together. We, we give, give thanks, thanks for all that God has already given you, and we welcome you in Christian love. As members, members together, together with you in the body of Christ, and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church, we, we renew, renew our covenant, covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church, of the church by, by our, our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness, that, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let us congratulate and welcome her in Christian love. invite you to join me in a spirit of prayer. Holy, honor, glory, how can any of our human words fully express your sacredness, your holiness, your divinity? Perhaps that's why when asked your name, you simply responded with, I am. Oh God, you are. You are magnificent. You are creative. You are present. You pursue us, seek us, invite us into a whole, complete, and beautiful relationship with you and with all of creation. Help us to embrace you. Embrace all that you've invited us into. Help us to see that the way that we honor and respect our lives your people, your creatures, and your earth glorifies your name. You are the God of all things, and we can call upon your name as we hurt, as we feel anxious, as we are exhausted. These days feel exhausting, painful, and anxious, O oh God. The pandemic seems endless. There's continued fighting among our political leaders in our communities, and even in our own families. We grieve deeply the loss of those we love. There's ongoing need for cleanup from natural disasters, sky-high crime rates, and injustices in all areas of life. The unknowing, the out-of-control feeling seems to permeate the entire world. Bring us back to our center, O oh God. Show us where you reside. Stable us, ground us, stand us up, and then send us back out into the world to help others see where there is hope and peace and comfort and justice and joy through you, because you are the great I am. And so we join all people, all creatures, and all the company of heaven when we glorify your name. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. 
Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And we now join our voices together, praying the prayer that Christ Jesus taught us by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
in our world where there is so much to overcome, let us allow that to be our prayer and our profession of faith this day. Again, thank you so much for your gift of music and your witness to us this day. Friends, our scripture lesson today comes from the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, verses 7 through 9. I invite us to hear these words. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, where they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Friends, this is the word of God for all God's children. Thanks be to God. Thou who art over us, 
Thou who art one of us, thou who simply art, give each of us a pure heart that we may see thee, a humble heart that we may hear thee, a heart of love that we may serve thee, and most of all, a heart of faith that we may always abide in thee. This is our hope. This is our prayer this day. Amen. Jesus says, pray in this way. And the prayer begins, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. The Lord's Prayer, a prayer so close to our hearts, but its meaning has a way of eluding us. Many of us, as Roberta Bondi describes, after now I lay me down to sleep, This was the first grown-up prayer I ever learned to pray, she says. When I was pigtailed, a pigtailed six-year-old, still in yellow pajamas with the feet in them. (laughs) Do you remember those pajamas, right? (laughs) I had a red pair, but no pigtails. But she learned to pray that prayer as a bedtime prayer. Her mother taught her those words. She continues, apart from power and bread, which I had always understood, and kingdom, which I learned about through reading fairy tales, I had little sense of what I might be praying about. And friends, sometimes neither do we. Many of us have learned to memorize the words of the Lord's Prayer at a very early age. And with anything that we memorize, There is a danger that it becomes more of a habit versus something that carries a lot of meaning for us or something that we take the time to really understand. It's happened to me on on many occasions while I'm praying the Lord's Prayer, the feeling of routine just kicks in. It's something that you and I have prayed at countless worship services, at funerals, and in devotions, and and at times becomes, unfortunately, something we say rather than something that we pray. And then it happens. In the midst of the praying, the Holy Spirit whooshes in, and even though I have the printed words in front of me, I find myself stumbling over the words. At times it even comes to a a grinding halt while praying those very words. And then I find meaning in those words once again. Words that usually come as natural to me as as breathing, make me lose my place. They, They trip me up. They cause me to choke. And then I'm blessed with a new meaning a new insight into that prayer. Of course, praying the Lord's Prayer over and over again does have some advantages. A pastor friend of mine tells the story of when he took communion to a woman in his congregation. The realities of dementia were well advanced for this woman. She was in the last stages of her disease and was still aware that she was losing more and more of her memory. She tried her best always to smile and to make her family and those around her feel better, trying to lift their spirits. 
Yet this time, when he brought her communion, she was nearly incoherent. She would string together words that that made no sense, but still she would smile as though she were carrying on the cleverest conversation with you. And one could not help but smile back. The pastor was bringing his visit to a close when he said to her, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. She hardly gave him a chance to get the last words out before she started in a sing-song kind of voice. And not only did she have every word right, but she said them very fast. (laughs) The family members gathered there just stared in amazement. They could not, could not, did not ever think that their loved one would say anything coherent again. And here she was praying the very words of the Lord's Prayer. The pastor looked at them and then at at the woman, quite breathless from trying to keep up with her in her recitation of, of the prayer. And then the woman smiled and said, I won. (laughs) Friends, the Lord's Prayer is a prayer close to our hearts. But it's also a prayer that's wrought with challenges if we take the prayer seriously. And the challenge begins for us with the first words of the prayer. The first word of the prayer. Our. At the outset, our, a carefully chosen adjective, confronts our notion of an individual and private piety. It is, it is to be more than just my own individual prayer, whether it's prayed alone, in secret, or in the midst of a worshiping congregation. The prayer's purpose is to align or realign our relationship with God and with each other. Think about that for a moment. The prayer's purpose is to align or realign our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. As we pray, we are to recognize that we are praying with those of every time and and every place, those saints who have come before us and those who will come after us. It's a prayer that ties the past and the present and the future together as one. And in this prayer, we are unquestionably linked with Jesus' disciples and our Jewish brothers and sisters in this prayer. Many scholars are quick to point out that the most noticeable characteristic of, of the Lord's Prayer is its Jewishness. Almost every phrase has a parallel in Jewish literature and conspicuously missing are distinctive Christian elements to this prayer, such as the return of Jesus the Messiah or supplication for his church. Jewish prayers of the first century even addressed God as our Father and prayed for the hallowing of God's name. There is no explicit Christology nor anything un-Jewish about the prayer, which can serve as an ecumenical prayer shared by both Jews and Christians alike. You see, Jesus taught his disciples to pray in the language and form with which they were most 
familiar. And certainly our prayers of thanksgiving join with our Jewish brothers and sisters with the outcome of yesterday's hostage crisis at the synagogue in Texas. Our prayers join together as one. You see, the Lord's Prayer is to be a prayer that draws us together as one community. It calls us to be mindful of those who do not feel welcome beyond our walls and even in our midst. We forget that some will pray or say the words, Our Father, but be saying to themselves, Not my or our, but their, as in someone else's father. Because of our lack of inclusion or hospitality or their disenfranchisement with the church, they don't know God as their own God, as a loving and caring, grace-filled one who takes the time to listen to their prayers. They've been told by us or by others that they are not good enough, worthy, or deserving to have an intimate relationship with God. A relationship where God knows our needs even before we ask. To use the language from last week, they feel as though they are treated as that they are nothing but chaff waiting to be separated and burned. Using the carefully chosen possessive adjective of our We are even challenged to acknowledge and and to pray for those who anger us, those that we find difficult to love, those with whom we disagree, and those who are most different from us. It's a collective adjective that doesn't seek to discriminate or exclude. It seeks to proclaim that each one of us is a person of sacred worth who has been created in the very image of God. What an important thing to be reminded of as we set aside tomorrow to remember and celebrate the birthday and work of Martin Luther King Jr. This prayer can be challenging if we take the prayer seriously. Next, the word Father a word with its own set of difficulties and history. When Jesus uses the name for, this name for God, we are given a picture of one who is more fatherly than our fathers, more motherly than our mothers. We are given a glimpse of God who has both the power and the desire to help, giving us what we need rather than what we want. A God who is eager to hear our prayers because God has never heard it quite the way that we say it. We are all unique and we all have our own signature attached to what we do and what we say. And our lives and our experiences and our faith expressed to God never ever grows old. But this parental image of God, this masculine, fatherly image, does not always match our own earthly experience and perspective. This image, mingled with our own life experiences, is not always helpful. 
And far too long, the church as an institution has wrestled with the ways to acknowledge its lack of participation and recognizing its ability to speak in a way that values the contributions of both women and men in the church's life and history. It's no secret that over the centuries, the church has used masculine, particularly father language for God, coupled with the language about God's ruling authority to dominate and to oppress women and men and children too, all in the name of God. One has to ask the question, is this really what Jesus intended in teaching this model prayer for his disciples? Roberta Bondi writes, I challenge anybody to find a place where Jesus uses God's fatherhood to shore up human male authority, including the authority of our own fathers. Indeed, Jesus teaches the very opposite. Call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. She writes, whatever God's fatherhood and motherhood, creatorship, friendship, and servanthood in Jesus is about, it's certainly not this. And it's not just about using inclusive language either. It's about preserving and proclaiming God's inclusive image found in Holy Scripture. The inclusive image of God contains both masculine and and feminine qualities that existed at the time of creation and continues through the radical reverses of power that Jesus used to proclaim God's kingdom here on earth. And that that inclusive image of God still challenges our racial, class, gender, religious, and national prejudices. The words, our Father, transcend our own experiences and can challenge us to be more inclusive. And coupled with Jesus' intimate address of God as Father, proclaims a God who is both personal and a God that is transcendent. Our Father in heaven, a God who has created and a God who continues to create. Hallowed be your name. Now I cringe (laughs) that I'm even sharing these illustrations with you. I'm sure that you've heard, right, the the one about the little boy who thought God's name was Howard. (laughs) You can see this coming, right? Howard be your name. Or the little girl who who sees this phrase as God's question back to her. She prays, our Father. And immediately God responds, how did you know my name? Hallowed Hallowed be your name. Looking through our own lives' lenses, this is a very difficult phrase or petition for us to understand. By these words, we ask, we we plead for the sacredness and the holiness of God to intersect with our lives. A kind of of sacredness and holiness that extinguishes our anxiety and fear and establishes wonder and awe in our lives. That deep in our heart, right? That the choir sang about. That sacredness, that holiness that transcends, that that enters in deep in our heart. 
that extinguishes the anxiety and fear and establishes that wonder, that awe, and that hope in our lives. To speak of the hallowedness of God is to speak of for our need of God to, to be God. Our very need and, and dependence upon God. The one in whom, whose image we have been created. And this is just the first sentence <laughs> in our understanding and translation of Jesus' prayer found in Matthew chapter 6. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. There's so much more to this prayer in so little time. <laughs> we'll tackle more of this prayer next week. But in closing, I want to share this with you. A.J. Levine reminds us she reminds us that we're all not in, in the same place. She writes, some are joyful while others struggle. Some are healthy while others are ailing. We may say words that are not at the very moment directly relevant to us. But in reciting them, we give support to those who need at that time to hear the words. You see, it's important for us as we pray this prayer out loud, not only to hear our own voices, but to hear the voice of those surrounding us, reminding us that we are not alone, that we've been given this community of faith, that God loves and God cares for us. I want to pose a challenge for us over these next six weeks as we, as we look at the Lord's Prayer. It's my hopes that it might develop a habit within us. I want to invite you to pray the Lord's Prayer at least once a day. And in your praying, I want you to expect God, that God will meet you right there. May it be so. Amen. Our Father, our God, the God of us all, has blessed us abundantly in many different ways. And one of the ways that we can give thanks to God is by giving back a portion of the financial gifts that God has blessed us with. You can give your gifts in the basket on the way out or online at stonybrook.church or by mailing your offering into the office. We give thanks for all of the ways that you offer yourself to God. I invite you to rise as we sing our doxology together, praising God.
Oh God, you are the God of us all, and these gifts are the gifts for all of us. We return them to you and ask you to bless them, multiply them, use us to move them out through our community and beyond, sharing the love and good news of Jesus Christ with all in the world. And we pray this in his very holy and hallowed name. Amen. to tell to that nations, and that story includes peace and love. 
and justice and God's grace for all. Let us go forth with the courage to share that story with others. Let us go in God's care. Amen.